0: Today is March 24th, 2019, and we want to take a few moments to recap some of what the Lord has been doing in our midst. If you remember, all the way back to January, we began with a band of survivors series. The promises that the Lord gave us as a church, specifically to our group, was that we would be a band of survivors this year. We looked in and then we saw our Master Ship Builder series, where the Lord is trying to help make us craftsmen in many, many areas. We had to get our ships together there, yeah, we and then we've been looking at shamar in the message. Guard it, shamar in action. We learned the importance of the Hebrew word shamar. We learned that it is vitally important to guard what the Lord has given you. Come on, somebody say, guard it. Guard it. Yes. Like Abraham, guarding what he has given us helps to make the promises come about. Guarding and protecting is an offensive action.
1: Come on, that was a good word. Second Timothy one thirteen was one of the key scriptures. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and loving Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy
0: Spirit who lives in us. Come on, the truth is, is that's the only way we can guard it. If we're going to guard the good deposit that's been entrusted to us. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, entrusted. Entrusted. Well, isn't that a special kind of word? Yes. The good deposit of God's very presence has been... Entrusted to you, and therefore we must guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. In the next message, treasure it. We had Nick Aragina
1: and Assad, the angelic assassinator of shame. Amen. From these guys, we learned that your father has a treasure in store for you. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. We then can live up to that father's treasure, and even beyond that, we
0: yourself can be your father's treasured possession back to him amen in colossians 2 starting in verse 2 it says this my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of god namely christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge when you have christ you have access to all of the treasures of heaven I tell you this so that no one may be deceived that so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments.
1: What the Lord has given to each one of us and collectively to LCM are truly treasures, right, Saints? Amen. Oh man. Were they treasures, Saints? Yes. Come on, we're gonna get alive this morning. Are you treating his word as an actual treasure today? Are you guarding it? Are you treasuring it? Or have you fallen prey to fine-sounding arguments or maybe falling asleep while on guard?
0: Wow. In the message, go get them. Come on, somebody say, go get them. Go get them. We learn from Father Abraham that after you've learned to guard and treasure what God has given you, you must learn how to go get them by going as far as it takes to pursue God's will. Men who are walking in God's promises are always ready to rescue the ones who've been carried off by the sinfulness of Sodom by the godless goods of Gomorrah, by the divergencies of Dan or even the luxuries of Lot. you like that? That was good. Yeah, that, came from, that came from Justin Treester. You must go get them so that you and your descendants will possess the gates of your enemies. In this message we read from Proverbs 24.10,
1: If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering
0: towards slaughter. Come on, church. Are you ready to go get them today?
1: Yes. On Wednesday, we were challenged to realize that if we are tired of having polluted, bitter waters to draw from, we got to learn to tap in. We're going to tap into the living spring and have sweet waters flowing inside of us once again. Amen. Did you take to heart the instruction to repent? Did you take to heart the instruction to refresh your source? And also return
0: to the Father who is that living spring. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, and I'm going to read this in the NASB for you. Come on. Just to give a little uh, salute to Rick Law there. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. The practical
1: takeaway from these anointed messages and servants tells us that we have, what we have is
0: precious. And it's worth fighting for. Okay, now, church, you got to help us out. You're going to have to help us out today. Uh, we feel like the Lord has given us the right word for this group of people, for this day. So, what we need you to do is, we need you to help us out because we're going to work towards a little bit of a, an attitude adjustment here in this place today. Amen. Come on, somebody say, "I'm going to adjust my attitude."
1: Adjust my attitude. Come on, we're going to have a radical realignment of our reasoning we got to get our thinking
0: straight tonight. today. Come on, we're going to have a boost to our holy boldness in this place. Amen? We're going to get our ships together. Come on. We're going to rise to be the band of survivors that the Lord has been speaking to us. Come on. Church, this is important. Yeah. If the Lord has taken these months in our church, these are not series that we designed just because we couldn't figure out what else to preach on. These are things that the God of all creation is saying to us, what he is saying to you. And therefore, we have to align ourselves and do anything necessary. Amen. Make any adjustments that we must make to align ourselves with his will. You know, uh, your pastor's learned something from Gabriel Arias this week. Yeah, we did. Uh, he wrote an email to Pastor Eric, and he was talking about uh, training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Y'all didn't know, but not only, you see, that's why he can dance. <laughs> It's because he can kick you upside of your head. Gabriel's insight was basically a recap of our previous sermons, and I don't know if he noticed that or not. In Brazilian jiu-jitsu,
1: there's a position called full guard. You learn how to operate from a position of shamar, which is guard. As you learn from those who are more experienced, the black belts, the instructors, you begin to treasure what these men are able to patiently instruct you in. You learn how to go get them. You even learn how to tap into the instruction so you don't get tapped out by your adversary. (laughs) Maturity in training causes you to be able to replicate, showing proficiency, and possessing the potential to do what your instructors have done. Does it take a little bit of effort to do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Yes, I've never done it. I watch it on TV and it makes me exhausted. (laughs) So the
0: title of today's sermon is going to be, Increase and Possess It. Amen. Turn with us to Genesis chapter 15. Everybody in the room, turning to Genesis 15, and we're going to look at verse 7 when you get there. There you go. That was, that was strong from Miss Natalie
1: Erezina. My elder's wife is beating you all out, man. She's setting the pace.
0: Genesis fifteen seven. are you there? Okay, I'm, I'm going to wait. It's all right. We're family. I don't have to pretend like I can't actually hear you responding to me and realize that that was 15%. Possess it's all right. We, we're going to possess it today. Come on, say possess it when you're there. Yeah. In Genesis fifteen okay. seven, it says this. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Look, I want to show you what this word is. We have a slide to help you. From the original language, this is the word yarash. Yarash. It is a verb. Somebody say verb. Verb. What does that mean? It's something you have to do. If you're going to take possession of something, it is a verb. It means to take possession. It means to inherit, to dispossess, to drive out. It. You see at the bottom of the larger text that we put there, It has to do with the idea of conquering the land that God has assigned to you. Now, if we think about inheritance, I don't know what you think about, but my first thought, honestly, about an inheritance is some check arriving in the mail from some distant relative. Because none of my close relatives have anything to uh, leave as an inheritance. (laughs) So it's going to be somebody that I don't know, and they will show up. There will be a check that will show up one day. Inheritance. What about if you started thinking about it like the family business that you were supposed to take charge of? Oh, yeah. You see, one indicates a very passive kind of existence. It's not really a verb. It's just you're receiving a noun. You're receiving something. <laughs> you're receiving an inheritance. But this word, your, sha- your rash, is talking to us about something that we must engage in. Yes. You have to take yeah. possession. Somebody say take possession. Take possession. You have to inherit. You have to dispossess. If you're gonna take possession of something, then you have to dispossess the ones who currently have it. You've gotta drive out the enemies that are in your land. One is very passive and the other gives purpose and destiny. If you're taking over the family business, what does that tell you? That instructs you that you have ownership in this, but it's also giving you the next many years of your life and what you are supposed to do to carry on with what has been gone, what has gone on before you. The whole point of being brought out, God is speaking to the father of the faith, Abraham. He says, I called you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Why? That you might take possession of what I have given you. But wait, didn't he give it to me? The whole point of him being taken out of where he was and put into a new realm was that he might take possession. Hmm. Look at verse 8 in Genesis 15. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know? that I will gain possession of it. You know what Abraham is doing right here is He's beginning to guard and treasure what the Lord said. Okay, Lord, you're promising me this physical land. Do you see why it's so ridiculous to think that Israel, the actual descendants of Abraham, aren't promised the physical land that they're in? There's a physical place that we're talking about today. It starts out in what God is talking to him is saying, I will give you wherever your feet walk in this Come area. On, I word. will give this to you. I promise. God is saying, I promise. Yeah. If he could swear by someone higher than himself, he would have done it. He's like, according to my own nature, I promised you that I will give this to you. Come on. Abraham immediately goes, well, then how can I know this? Now, if you're Western, most of us in the room are from a Western background. I don't mean the belt buckle cowboy. Oh, well, maybe some of us are wearing cowboy boots, but, but the idea from versus an Eastern mentality, you're thinking, how can I know this? How can I learn the information about this? This word is yada in the Hebrew. How can I intimately know and how can I experience taking possession of what I'm supposed to yeah. see what we're trying to go for today? We're going to tell you right at the beginning. We're trying to get you to experience possessing all that God has for you. Come on. Not just him giving it to you, but you possessing it and utilizing it. This yada, we want you to understand and to experience this possession that God has for you. Let's pick up in verse 9 and see how God
1: began to lead Abraham in this experience. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Well, God answers Abram's question with a command to sacrifice. Abram is asking, How can I experience the surety that this promise is going to come true? And the first thing that God asks is, Abraham, I need you to offer a sacrifice. Sacrifice to me a fellowship offering, a thank offering. Sacrifice does a couple of things. One, it prepares your heart to pr- to possess the promises. Amen. Come on, Much of what we experience every time when we worship or when we gather together in a home and His presence begins to descend, anything that is out of order needs to then be put in order before the promises of what to do next are revealed. Yeah. We get our hearts right down here at the altar. We get our hearts right sometimes in our car ride home. Because we begin to voice things that are coming out of our flesh and God's word begins to correct it. So we let the word of God cut us in half. It divides our thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. That then prepares your heart to receive the promises that he's making. Sacrifice also silences the opposition of our own expectation. Come on, if you have something that you are trying to possess... And God says, cut it in half, particularly a living animal. Everything that you had ever hoped for, dreamed of, or expected that animal to do is now lifeless, but at the feet of the Lord. Lord, I need your resurrection power to come and fill the expectations that I've laid before you and that your word has cut in half and laid bare. I don't know, maybe that was something that Abram would later experience even with his own son. Next, sacrifice will draw opposition from demonic powers. These birds of the air that seek to descend upon the living sacrifices that you make in your own life. Come on, who's ever stepped out to do something for God and got punched right in the face? But that hasn't happened, and I'm going to question whether or not you actually stepped out to do something for Jesus. That happened this week. Yes, several times this week. You know, in many of our travels and missions trips or discipleship here in this church, we experience something powerful that God has called us to do. A promise that we're going to take what's in here and we're going to carry it to the nations. That we're going to have 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Yes, this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to possess it. And the minute we begin to take one step, we get kicked right in the face as a bird of the air, a demonic power seeking to steal, kill, and destroy the promises that God has given us. But what did Abram do? He drove it away. We are not victims, but instead we are victors in the kingdom of God. That he rose up and he took authority with the relationship he had with the living God, and he drove back those spiritual powers. How exactly did he do that? Because Abram had taken possession of the promises of God inside of his heart before the promises were ever fulfilled in his hands. Come on. Well, we have to get this deeply ingrained. We want this to be deeply ingrained inside of you. We're watching each and every life and family in this church grow and develop and mature into what God has promised your life and your family to be. We're watching you drive back the spiritual powers and fight for the promises of God. And we're here to tell you, don't stop. Don't stop. You have to seek out, you have to pursue that possession of the inheritance and increase it in the name of Jesus.
0: Man, that's a good word. Turn with us to Genesis 24. Last week in the sermon, go get Him," Pastor Eric, Judah, Justin Triester shared this very scripture. And I want to come back to it again this week. In Genesis 24 and verse 60, it says this, And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, You ready for the blessing? Come on, this is a good way to bless somebody. Here's, here's the blessing. Yeah. Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. Wow. <laughs> one, of, one of the pre- pregnant ladies in the room just was like, whoa. <laughs> that your descendants would be so numerous that you would become thousands upon Thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemy. To possess the gates is to possess the strength, the very nature of what you're going after. And the word for enemies there is not just someone merely who opposes you. The word for enemies here are those who hate you. Yeah. Well, that's different, right? Yeah. We're, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but there are people who will hate what God is doing in you. Yeah. Come on, anybody had anybody hate you recently? If you haven't, let me encourage you. They hated him. When you're demonstrating enough of Jesus Christ in you, they will hate you too. And they won't even know why. A person who gets inordinately angry at you in a store. Somebody who's going by and you're like, that wasn't even a big deal. Why aren't we doing this? Yeah, it's because they're hating the Jesus Christ that is actually in you. That's right. But what is the promise here? Not only that you will possess the gates of your enemy, but what? Your children those thousands upon thousands that they may possess the gates of their enemies as well. Come on, we have some men in this room. Peyton, come up here. We've got some men in this room who've been given promises and they are working towards possessing it. They're working to possess these things in everyday life. I want them to share because this is not some, uh, some singular point leadership in this church. These are mighty men of God that we have before you. You realize that all but two of our sermons this entire year have been with multiple people. You know why? Because we're trying to show you, you shouldn't do this by yourself. Yeah. We could do this by ourselves, but we really can't. Yeah. We have this conviction that we want to possess everything that God has given us. Peyton, why don't you share? When the Lord has spoken to my family that we will proclaim the greatness of God among the nations. And we possess it daily and are possessing it today by training, and preparing, and channeling all of our efforts
2: to getting to the nations, to taking the gospel to them. And every single day I get to wake up to that cute little girl and uh, to my pregnant wife and know that I can only go so far, and every day I have to work towards raising up a generation
0: that will be among the nations preaching and proclaiming the gospel. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Uh, those of you that have been around us know this is a very dear scripture to us, Psalm twenty-seven, thirteen says, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, the Lord gave this verse to us day one with Shiloh because uh, he knew that we needed it and we hid it deep in our hearts because shortly thereafter we began to get reports from the doctors saying, you know what, you need to get on a program because she's going to need a tube. She's not going to be able to eat the rest of her life. She's uh, formed this way. She's not going to be able to walk the rest of her life. They even told us uh, she might not even have control of her bowels. You know what she eats? She runs around this church. And last
0: Thursday, we started potty training. It's not finished yet, but it's going to be completed in Jesus' name. Amen. C- come on, you know, your, you know your family when you're celebrating potty training, right? Hey, so when you, when you see this, we forget these things, right? We forget what God has actually given us. When you see Shiloh at the end of this service, and she's running around, and she'll run right into you, back up. And reset and run off somewhere else. Remember that according to doctors, it's impossible what you're seeing. She cannot do this according to the doctors. She cannot do what she is clearly doing. See, Peyton and JJ are having to learn to take possession of the promises that God has given. When you see Shiloh, you should rejoice in your soul because of the progress that she's making. Oh hot. Well, God brought me here to heal me
1: to take back possession of my family by knitting me closely to this LCM family and then slowly, slowly start to take out the, our mezuzah, which is Matthew 5, verse 16, to be a light to the nations so they may see the good works and glorify our Father in heaven.
0: A couple of years ago, The Lord impressed upon me a deep-rooted conviction about reaching the nations through generations and how the the call that he has on our family's life is not going to be able to be accomplished in our lifetime. It has to grow beyond us to future generations. And it was through that conviction that now we have a new son because we're going to grow our family because we're serious about reaching the generations. Amen. Amen. Uh, you guys have both hurt and celebrated with uh, our families every step of the way and uh, been with us seeing how the Lord's given us progressive, progressive revelation about this region of Pontus in Turkey on the Black Sea. And uh, we know that we're supposed to be going there, planting, appointing, and rebuilding lives and churches. But what the Lord's doing right now uh, and caused us to go after is that we're planting, appointing, and rebuilding lives and churches right here, right now as we sit in preparation for the inherited promise that we're going to get from the Lord. Come on, that's a good word. What the Lord uh, has me taking position of right now is is uh, James three eighteen one of my stones. It says, "Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness." And so what what I've been doing is is harvesting righteousness in my entire family. And so doing that through sowing peace, aligning my life with the word of God, and letting that flow down to my entire family, my wife and my children. If you guys were here with us when uh, Assad, almost said Ohad, Assad, uh, got baptized, the reason we do our baptisms outside, as close to the road as we can safely do it, is to make public. If you guys were here when Assad got baptized, what you heard was prophecy after prophecy. A living God speaking through human beings to encourage him about his family, about the beauty of what God is going to do through the Robinson family, through Assad and Kayla and their generations. Yeah. These are incredible things that we are seeing them take possession of. Judah?
2: Uh, the promises that we have are very similar to my two brothers. We are longing and excited for the day that we move to Pontus, that we work in Turkey, and the Lord is walk, helping us walk out our vision, our function, and our calling here with you. The Lord spoke to us about taking new ground in areas that the gospel had not been laid yet, training up new disciples in helping aid ministers. And right now we are taking possession of that promise by partnering with you in your vision, by working to see disciples raised up in LCM, by seeing new areas of your lives advance and conquer. And our dream, our vision is to see yours succeed while we're here in our family. Every step of the way, we're watching our promises as one family come about, and we're doing it together as one body.
0: Amen. Come on,
1: Go ahead, Pastor. Seeing these seven men up here, is it a testimony to what God is doing in our church? If this is a sampling of what is going on in your life, you know, these men and you remind me of Exodus 19 verse four, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now we've had the opportunity to watch each one of these men up here to watch your lives be brought out of Egypt. We had the opportunity to see God's resurrection power fill, transform, and change you. And that same power is continuing to sustain each and every one of you. We've been with you as family uh, with through, through trials. We stood side by side, cried with you here at the altar, spent time with you in the hospital, and seen resurrection power fill your lives and fill your families. Amen. Come on, saints. This is an example of who you are, not just who they are. Yeah. They, therefore, become exactly what we read further. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. These are the words you to speak to the Israelites. These men here, as well as you, are being taught to treasure the kingdom of God, to keep his commands. And in doing so, you guys become a treasure to us. You guys, with us, become a treasure to the heavenly
0: king. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Yeah, give him a hand. Turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 4. The truth is, is we could have called so many more out. I think about Ray and Lindsay. Fighting to get children, and now they have twins that are on the way. Man, I, I can look out and see so many testimonies in this room. In Deuteronomy 4, we want to continue with this thought. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 1. Say, possess it when you get there. It says this, hear now, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. <laughs> Listen up. Follow them so you may live. Wow. What a simple thought that our world really doesn't believe. Most of the church world around us doesn't believe. Follow them so you may live. What would we really think? No, we have to do this. We have to have the right kind of income, the right kind of house. The truth is, is what you need to do to live is this. Yes. You need to follow yeah. his instructions so that you may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your fathers is giving you. Are you seeing this parallel that's being set up? This connection? He's saying that you must obey my words. Why? So you can go in and then take possession. It requires you more than just to step into the entrance to begin to take possession of something. But he's already given it to them. What has the Lord already given to you that you have not taken full possession of yet? What In what areas of your life has he spoken something to you, Josiah? In what areas, Michael, has he spoken something to you? Steve. When God speaks to you and you said, man, that's awesome. Do you know what God did? God gave me something. Praise God. That is awesome. Did you just step in the front door and be like, yep, taking possession? Or have you walked in and started to actually take full possession of what the Lord has given you? Do you see how hearing and obeying his word causes you to have life? This life is producing in you the ability to take possession of what he's given you. And how do you do this in verse 2? Do not add to what I have commanded you. Now, nobody in this room, there's not a human being in this room that would disagree with that. Right, We're not. Gonna, the Bible says don't add to it and do not subtract from it. But keep the commands of the Lord, your God that I gave you. How many times have we added to the Word of God? He told us something and then we decided that we needed something extra, right Cody? We needed something extra to add on to that Besides just what he told us are much worse Well, they're both equally as bad. Let me just be honest with you. The one that I see in this group more is that you subtracted from what the word of God has said. He told you to do something. He said, I'm going to be with you. I give you victory. You can rest assured that I will give it to you even before you get going in it. God himself says, I promise you that I will do this for you. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens? How do we subtract from the word of God? We're not faithful enough to carry it out until we see it take full possession in our lives. But pastor, I tried for a whole three days to do something. I kept my New Year's resolution for a whole 17 days. I can't imagine why I didn't lose all the weight I was supposed to. Yeah, you didn't take possession of it. You may have even had a promise that you were going to be successful. But you have to learn how to take possession of this. You can't turn to the right or to the left. You can't add to what God is saying. And you surely cannot fall short of what he has said to you. Come on, church. This is where we are today. Yeah. We want to encourage you. Not, we're, not, we're not worried about his promises. We know that his promises are good. And they have been clear. How many people have gotten a word in this room? How many? Somebody has walked up to you and told you something from the heavens that you needed. Yeah. Every week. Every week. I hear something from you guys every week. And I'm like, oh, that did something for my soul. His promises aren't the problem. It's us taking possession of it that is the problem. We've got to learn how to walk in this to advance in what God is doing. Since you're here in Deuteronomy 4, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll start in verse 1.
1: I want to expound on something that the pastor was saying. That one of the, the issues or weaknesses that arises in this body is that we subtract from what God has already said. You know, when you're surrounded by some strong horses, men who can run with the pace of God, sometimes we get used to running in their wake. And that we think that by just being in proximity to their strength, it also affords us that same strength. That if I sit at Pastor Wade and Pastor Eric's house on Sunday fellowship, or if I attend... On foundations, but I'm just on the exterior, writing in the wake of their revelation, writing in the wake of their vision, that somehow that is also attributing to me the possession and increasing of that vision. Come on, you know that what happens when that strong man or woman of God steps to the side, and now you are taking on the full weight of having to take possession and inherit the land. It comes at you and you're overwhelmed and shocked. How in the world is it this hard? But it should make you rise up and realize that you've been riding in the wake of other people's strength. And now it's your time to take possession and increase what God has given you. Are you guys going to increase what God has given you? Yes. Let's start in verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and what's the next word? Increase. Come on, that you may live and increase and may enter and say that next word, possess, possess the land that the Lord has promised on oath to your forefathers. You know that there is, there's a, an interlinking connection between these phrases. We have live and increase. We have enter and possess. It's an inseparable relationship. Mm -hmm. You cannot possess without increasing and you cannot increase something that you do not possess. Just on the financial realm, right? I can't increase $5 if I don't have it. And if I have $5, I can't really possess it without increasing. We know from the parable of the talents, Jesus laid that out when it comes to the kingdom of God. The one who had just one talent and they buried it for safekeeping. It was taken away from him and given to one who made it increase. We have to possess and increase.
0: Amen. Turn with us to Joshua chapter 1. While you're turning there, say possess an increase. Possess an increase. In Joshua chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 10. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 10, it says this. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. What kind of general would he be if he slightly requested from his officers? This is General Joshua standing up and he is ordering something of his people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Yeah. Come on, church. <laughs> there's an order that's going out today. Yeah. There's an order that is going. And it's important that everybody in this room, every man a woman and child in this room, understand that there's an order that's going out, not from the two of us, but from God himself. And he's saying, would you get ready? Yeah. He's promised us things this year. He's promised us marriages. Come on. He's promised us children. He's promised us souls. He's promised us resources. Amen. What are you doing to go and possess that? Are you sitting back and going, wow, that's going to be a great year. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Brother, I thought if we
1: pulled up to the window of the church, we'd just wait long enough and they'll be delivered <laughs> to us. In a nice neat little bag with nice. a drink on the side. <laughs> <A little,
0: laughs> nicely arranged so it'd fit in your coasters. Get ready. There are obstacles to cross here. There are battles to fight here, folks. There's yep. territory to conquer. This is what we must do. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving for you to own. Look at your name and say, we got to own it. We got to own it. This life of faith, faith is one that trusts that the outcome is assured. Yeah. It's certain even before we begin the fight. But that fighting is required for us to receive it. Amen. Are, are you here with me? Yeah. What you should be doing is thinking about the times in your life where you're like, yeah, God promised this. And then you sat back and just waited for it to happen as if it were just going to magically appear in your lap. Yeah. Jo- the Lord promised this land to Abraham. Joshua is about to walk in. And God has said, I have given this land to you. Now go take possession. Yeah. This is why, as a church, we are not about some mamby-pamby, girly, soft, wimpy Christianity that says, all you need to do is just enter. Just enter in the kingdom. Just sit back and let his goodness just flow to you. <laughs> I don't know why that accent came out, by the way. Tell evangelist, yes. Just, okay. just happened. just as ridiculous as that accent was. It's also ridiculous to think that the goal of Christianity is that you just step away from the fire and, and stand in God's grace and his goodness. Yeah, his grace and goodness is there so that you will take possession of what he has promised you. Yeah. If Judah and Nick and Peyton had a promise from the heavens that they are supposed to go to the Black Sea region of Turkey. And they just sat back. They went like, Woo! This is going to be exciting. We're going to get to preach to Muslims. And they sit back. And they're just waiting. Waiting for inspiration. Waiting for the Lord to do in them what they have been entrusted to do.
1: Yeah. Woo! That's a good word.
0: We're not about weak Christianity here. This weak Christianity that says, maybe if you just sit back and hopefully enjoy it, then maybe one day you accomplish what you're supposed to. We're the kind that has a bold, masculine holiness that says, let's go get this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, you've already promised us. You promised that this is the direction for my life, that this is the mezuzah for my family. You've made me a promise, God. Yeah. I'm gonna go do everything in my power. Come on. I'm gonna trust that I may yes. not even have enough on my own, Cody. But I know that He's made a promise to me, and if I go after it, I cannot fail. Yeah. Amen. It's about time that more people in this room decided that you cannot fail. Yeah. That if you go forward, yeah. if you trust in Him wholly, completely, if you keep your life holy, that you will be able to accomplish not just something that you decided, but what He promised to you. Get ready, people. There is a there is a river to ford here. There is there are obstacles that we must encounter. What a better faith! I was always growing up and going, yeah. What do we do when we we just get to heaven and we just float around on a cloud? You mean I go through all the hell here on earth to do what? To get put on cruise control somewhere, sit on a. I don't. I'm bored. I don't want to do that because that's not the Bible. Amen. The Bible says that you're going to rule and reign with him. Yes. What the Aswan team is practicing now, the Turkey team is practicing. You know what they're practicing? Exactly here what they're going to do in Turkey. What a ridiculous notion for them to sit back and wait to start ministry until they move. What a ridiculous notion for the treesters to never visit Israel. We know the Lord has called us to Israel for him, for them to to not learn Hebrew. What ridiculous thoughts, but this is the way our Christian world around us operates. We're telling you today, get ready. Yeah. This is what the Lord has been saying for months to us now. Get ready, Rick. Get ready, Tisdale, because God has got something for us, and we cannot lose if we go take possession of it. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Pastor.
1: I want to revisit that, something Pastor uh, reminded us about at the first of the year. That this was going to be a year of prosperity. And prosperity in distinct areas. One was our marriages, right? That, you know, it's going to have to take a pursuit with effort that will not stop to refine and strengthen the marriages in this church. Are you guys willing to possess it? Yes. Are you willing to increase it? Yes. The next area was children. That we have a plethora of children being born in LCM. But does it still require for us to fight for that? Yes. We have to continue fighting. Will you possess it? Will you increase it? Yes. Lastly, it was resources. That what we have seen so far, God is blessing us with resources of all kinds, not just the financial. But it still requires for us to fight for it. That people will have jobs that are put on the line and nearly lose them. And they have been the darling of the company for years and years. Saints, you got to fight for it so that you can possess and increase it. Let's look at this in Joshua chapter 3, verse 10. Come on, shout it out. Possess it when you're there. Possess it. There you go. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you. The Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, all these countries or all these uh, nations. But the part I want to focus on is that you will know you will certainly or sorry, he will certainly drive out remember the word that we put on the slide earlier of Yerosh? This word Yerosh occurs two times and the English translation is certainly drive out. This is communicating the ability for God to give you inheritance with authority. Not just giving you the inheritance, not just calling you to go and possess it and increase it but he is giving you the authority to go possess it he's giving you the authority to go increase it yeah amen let's look at this a little bit further in verse 12 i'm sorry 11 see the ark of the covenant of the lord of all the earth will go into the jordan ahead of you now if we just stop reading right there and try to take the plain understanding did the ark grow feet and then walk down into the jordan i know it levitated into the jordan right Well, let's look a little bit further and see how it got into the Jordan. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as the priest set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. The way that God has designed for us to possess an increase, to know for certain that he will drive them out, is that he has given thee us the authority of his presence. That the very throne of God is to be placed upon our shoulders and then we carry that into the flood waters of going into God's will. We take that presence with us and nations will see that presence. The demonic powers will see that presence and many of them will begin to flee before you ever finish crossing that Jordan. Come on, what is it like at work? When all of a sudden mounting issues begin to build, false accusations, and some that they could partially tie to you, but it's nothing more than flood stage waters. What do you need to rely on to possess and increase what God has given you in that job? You rely upon the authority that comes from the presence of God on your shoulders, that blessed are you when you're persecuted, that the glory of God then rests upon you, giving testimony that God is going to deliver you through it. Come on, this is the
0: way that God always works. This is the way he always works th- throughout history. He said, I'm going to give you something. Now you got to go fight for it. Yeah. Think about in Joshua 6, since we're so close. Joshua 6, he says, I have given you this city. I'm giving you Jericho. It is yours. When did he tell that to him? Verse 1 of Joshua 6. Can you put up verse 1 for us? It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. God promises them the 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 doors are barred. The gates are closed. The lights are out because they're saying we are in our impregnable fortress. You ain't getting in. And what does God say? It's yours. It's yours. You're going to be able. I'm telling you ahead of time, but it never looks that way when he promises it to you. Yeah. Come on. What promises has he given you? That you're sitting around going, I don't see how that could happen. Mm. That promise for God to move in my family like he's supposed to. Yeah, I don't see how it's going to happen. Yeah, the trouble that I got myself into. I don't see how I'm going to get out. And God's saying, yeah, gates barred, doors are closed. You got all, you got all the forces out. Yep, it's yours. Take it. Yeah. And then what does he do? Do the, do the walls just fall down that second? No. They have to begin to implement everything that God tells them. You know, I have to walk around the city a total of 13 times over seven days. Come on, church. What if you're in lap number 12? Hmm. What if you're in lap 12 and all you need to do is take one more lap and this whole thing is going to fall down? The opposition to the enemy. Our problem is is that we don't want to just keep going until his word is fulfilled in us. We lose heart. We lose hope. Because why? We don't actually trust that when he promised us that he's going to fulfill what he said. So we lose heart and we subtract from his word and we stop. Come on now. We we got some good starters up in this room. Well, we could start some good stuff up in this place. What you supposed to do? You got to complete it. You got to possess it. You got to go the entire direction of what God has promised. Turn with us to Jeremiah chapter 30. Verse one.
1: This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity. I will restore them to the land I gave their forefathers to possess. Do you hear the promises of God of restoration to the nation of Israel? That he has promised to bring them out of captivity. He has promised to restore the land. He is promising them. deliverance. requires them to fulfill that promise through
0: their actions of possessing and increasing it. Turn with us over to Jeremiah 32 though. What happens when you don't possess? We've been hinting at this for a few minutes now. What happens if you don't possess what God has given you? Jeremiah 32 verse 22 jeremiah thirty-two twenty-two. it says this you gave them this land you had sworn to their forefathers a land flowing with milk and honey they came in and took possession of it awesome but they did not obey you or follow your law they did not do what you commanded them to do so you brought all the disaster upon them you know what this causes people to do is think that god is somehow fickle in his promises boy isn't it easy to blame god for something that we should be doing well, I mean, he promised it. Maybe, you know, there's something I, you can't really trust in God's promises. That's silly when I say it out loud. We'd all be like, yeah, we'd never want to do that. How many times in our daily lives, though, do we accuse God of wrong? Yeah. Like Job says, how, how will you discredit my justice to make yourself feel better about your injustice? Wow, wow how much do we do this? They had a promise. They entered and possessed. But they didn't keep the possession. They didn't fully exercise everything that God had because they failed to continue to do what God told them to do. See, this is like having a stone. One of our scripture cards. Having a stone that you have in your pocket. And you need it because you're struggling with something. You're struggling with insecurity. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with the sin. And so you put a scripture there. And every time you start to think about it, man, you, you get the scripture and you do it right. Then what happens? You feel like you've conquered that. So what happens to your cards? What happens to your Abigail and Nabal cards? You use them when you're in a fight, but you're not using them to build each other up. If you don't know where your Abigail and Nabal cards are, then you're not possessing them. You're not using them rightly. That's a good word. The reason that God has given the tools that He has given to this church. The reason that he gives revelation to us over and over is because he expects us to put them into practice and to possess them. Not show people how smart we are, but actually do what we've been taught to do. Think about other scriptures. Let's turn to 1 Samuel. Let's go to 1 Samuel 28, verse 18. Are you guys staying with us today?
1: You know, there there was a time before this moment in 1 Samuel 28, when God spoke to Samuel, he revealed to him about an anointed young man that would come and lead the nation of Israel. He would deliver the nation of Israel. And in doing so, they would be able to be delivered from the Philistines and then possess the very things that were promised originally to Abram. Let's see how this plays out, though, in 1 Samuel 28. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. As we look to our older brother, Israel, we must heed the warning if we don't obey God's command. To possess and increase what he's given us. It's simple. Increase and possess
0: it or decrease and be dispossessed. Wow! Look, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60. We've got just a few more passages of scriptures that we want to share with you today. Isaiah chapter 60 and we're going to start in verse 21. Say possess it when you get there. Isaiah 16, verse 21, it says this. Then will all your people be righteous. This is a prophecy, a promise to Israel. And they will possess the land forever. Wow, we do such bad... It's such a bad thought for us to have and make everything about the gospel of Christ some esoteric, ethereal, non-real metaphor everything's just a metaphor go possess it sure i don't know what i'm supposed to be possessing but i'll shake my head up and down to possess something no there are things that god has assigned to you he has given you he has destined you for certain good works that he wants you to accomplish that if you don't go get it there is a problem here they will possess the land forever they are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. Can you say about your life that you are a display of his splendor? That's what we are shooting for. Amen. When you start to possess what God has done in you, you become a display. The problem is, is most of Christianity, well, most of churchianity, you can't look at people in most churches and say, that is a display. Woo! Wow! That, that is a display of God's splendor. But that is what people are supposed to look at us and see. They are supposed to look at us and we are becoming every more, every day, every day that we're becoming the display of his splendor. Amen. The least of you will become a thousand. The least of you, the smallest, a mighty nation. Do you remember the promise to Rebecca? Thousands upon thousands. This is saying even the least amongst you. When you start possessing it the way you're supposed to, even the least in this church should be producing fruit a hundredfold, should be producing generations coming after them to do the will of the Lord. I am the Lord and in its time, I will do this swiftly. What a fantastic statement. Look at the last statement that's on your screen. I am the Lord in its time. I will do it swiftly. What does that mean? That means you got to keep fighting until it's in its time. Amen. It's the overnight success that took 20 years to get there. Yeah. <laughs> it's the overnight success. It's the 40-year shortcut, right, Caleb? It's an overnight success that took you your whole life to get there. Yeah. You keep fighting. You keep trusting in him. And when he decides to do it, he will transform it. And in a minute, you could be walking in all the promises that you had Come received. On. Amen. That's what we have to do. But most Christians, most people that I've ever met in my life, they fail Because they just don't keep persevering. They just don't keep going to possess what God has given them. This is about faithfulness over time. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 26.
1: Say, possess it when you're there. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end. I will give authority over nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Do you hear the statement, does my will to the end? Yes. That is possessing and increasing it. That is faithfulness over time. The result is that he gives you authority over the nations, increasing and possessing what he has already promised. Come on, the heart and vision of this church is that we are going to raise up those that will be sent out to plant other churches or those that will be pillars inside the churches. That we are not about just building a wall to contain our own little planter of goodness. That we are raising up a harvest to send to the nations. Amen. That currently we have a fruit from this church in Peru. We have a fruit of a family currently in Indonesia. We will have one in the Pontus area. We will have one in Israel and in so many other places. We have a heart and a vision to put every effort Into possessing the inheritance that God has given us, and it landing as a result on the nations. Turn with us to Psalm chapter 2.
0: Revelation 2 is quoting back to Psalm 2. Lest we think that everything starts in the New Testament and we try to filter back towards the Older Testament, to the Tanakh, I promise you that any good comment that you have in the Newer Testament comes and has its foundation, its basis in the Tanakh. Here in Psalm chapter 2, Verse 8 says, ask of me. Come on, somebody turn your neighbor and say, "Ask ask me. And I will make the nations your inheritance. I will make the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule over them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. This is clearly speaking of the Messiah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Our king, our God. That's our king today. To increase and possess is not for the faint of heart. If the lion of the tribe of Judah who possesses all creation rules with an iron scepter and he has garments drenched in the blood of his enemies, how do you think you're going to possess your inheritance? you think you're going to sit back and and find out that it just comes to you? You have to go after it. Verse 10, therefore you kings be wise. He is known as the king of kings. Let's try that again. That was not very kingly of the people in the room. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That means that we are to be kingly in our approach to what we do in the kingdom. He's not the king of peasants. He's not the king of servants. He's the king of all kings. Therefore, you kings, this is talking to us, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry with you and destroy you in your way for his wrath can flare up in the moment. This is not some cream puff holding a lamb on his
2: shoulders.
0: (laughs) I'm glad he did that. I'm glad there's these beautiful pictures. But he's not still nailed to a cross somewhere. He's the one that we should fear. I'm afraid if I don't engage and go out and possess what he's given me. I am afraid... Of not living up to the standard of what he's given me. I'm afraid of doing too much and adding to the gospel or taking from it. I have a fear of him. Because he's a lion. Yeah, He's ruling with an iron scepter. But blessed are those who take refuge in him. What he wants us to do is say, I want you to possess. I want you to increase. I want you to grow. I want you to be able to do what I've called you to do. And his strength will help you. He's promising ahead of time that he'll help you. Yeah. Come on now. What does he promise that you need to be reminded of his promise today, church? Come on, I'm looking at Damien and Tamika. Looking at Peter and D'Angelia. We're not quite a year past. D'Angelia almost losing her life in this church, right back where Cody was sitting. We had to see someone revived from the dead, and she's sitting here with us today.: Amen. See, we have these things, and then we go around in our life like he's not with us. How can you look at D'Angelia? How can you look at Damien and Tamika and go away and worry about not having enough money in your bank account? How can you worry about the kids not doing right in school? How can you worry about the things that we worry about if you remember that he is a powerful God? And blessed are those who take refuge in him. Come on, that's good. When our hope is in him, we will never be put to shame. Yeah. Yes. I don't care what you think your experiences are. If you have put your hope fully in him, you cannot be put to shame.
1: Come on, that's a good word.
0: You know what it means if you've ever been put to shame? You know what it means it means the problem in with him, it means you didn't actually put your hope in him. Oh. You were putting your hope in something else and then you blame God when the answer wasn't what you wanted it to be. Ooh. Either the word is wow. true or it's not. Either Psalm 25 is right and says that when we put our hope into him, we will not be put to shame. Either it's right or it's not. Either it says you are blessed when you take refuge in him or it's not. We are getting to a point today where we're saying we got to get ready because there's no time for excuses in this body. We've got way too much to do. Did you hear the promises? we got to go get it. It's not just that we would have marriages, but that we'd have blessed marriages in this church. We're excited about the marriages. We're just as excited about you strengthening your marriage in this church. You strengthening your children in this church. You finding exactly what God has for you. I'm all saying, pastor's
1: preaching a lot better than y'all responding. What I heard from you guys whenever he said, God will not let you fail. If you're seeking to possess and increase what he has promised, and just like those men on the shores or the banks of the Jordan, who have the presence of God on their shoulders... That they had to wholeheartedly trust that God wasn't going to let them fail. When I heard pastors say that, the response from all of you was overwhelmingly joyful in hope. If you are struggling, let me rephrase that. When you are struggling with fear of failure, when you are struggling with despair, when will we ever get this right in our marriage? When will we ever get this right in raising our children? When will we ever get this right in our finances? When will I ever get it right to be a part of the family of God that is possessing and increasing the kingdom of God? I want to encourage you today, saints. Put your hope fully that if the presence of God and his relationship with you is upon you, you're not going to be put to shame. He's not going to let you fail as you stretch out your arm to possess and increase what he's given you. You will face opposition, but the presence of God, the throne of God, the ark of the living God is upon your shoulders. What do we have to fear? I watched resurrection power on Resurrection Sunday raise that young lady right back up there from the dead. If you want to be technical, it happened three times. I watched it with my own eyes. I watched her father run to the altar because there was nothing more that he could do in his own strength. He came and he sought out to possess the very presence and power of God here. He left the the physical things to paramedics, but he took care of the heavenly things. What do we lack in God's kingdom, saints? Matthew 25 speaks of sheep and goats. And that it is speaking to those within the church. We're not talking about lost and saved. We're talking about those who are following the shepherd as a sheep and those who are just within proximity, but not possessing and increasing the kingdom. And they were measured by what they did and did not do. And those that were sheep had righteous deeds that demonstrated in action of possessing and increasing the kingdom. How they treated the call of God to go and interact with each other, to interact with the lost. Are you laying down your life for your brother? Or are you passively waiting for others to lay their life down for you? Come on, when we lay our lives down at the feet of the king, we have access to the power of God to possess and increase what he's given us.
0: We've got just a few minutes left with each other. How you respond in the next few minutes is going to be very telling on whether you're going to get to possess what God has for you. Yeah. 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 What you do and engage in these next few minutes is going to determine your next few weeks and your months, maybe even the rest of your life. First Corinthians 1550 lays it out for us and it says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. See, what we're not asking you to do is be more macho. Yeah. We're not asking you to step forward and man up and try something more in your own strength because it's not going to work. We're not asking you to just to just try harder Christian we're saying be transformed from what you were to what God has called you to be to walk in that daily but pastor it looks like the part that God has called in me is walled up it's barred yeah Before it's open, God says, I'm gonna give this to you. While the waters are at flood stage, God says, I'm gonna give this to you. I'm promising you, when it doesn't look good, when God's word speaks, that's when you have faith. Come on. It's not faith if you can already see it. Yeah. What a simple definition. If you can see it, you don't need faith. And the Bible says that the just will live by faith. Faith. Come on.
1: Yes. Wow.
0: Maybe we're waiting on too much of what we can see. We'll move when God has made it so clear. We've got 14 prophecies, seven clouds in the sky that look like the, the thing I was hoping for. Star David, yeah. <laughs> heard, a, or heard a tune on the radio. And then, and then we ask for seven more confirmations. What has he said to you? Take your stand and go and do what he's told you to do. Yeah. First Corinthians 15:58. It says this. Let's put this on the screen. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. There are men and women in this room that need to stand firm today. You're letting every whisper that says that you don't belong here. You're letting those whispers get into your ears. You're letting the whispers of offense ravage your heart. You're letting the fact that you think that "Ah, I like the church, they're a little bit eccentric, but we're going to be here, but we're not really going to be here. We're going to be hiding in plain sight. We're going to be forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as we come into the room and sit with everybody. Man, you're not going to possess. Am I mad at you? Yes. (laughs) Of course I am. Because it's going to hurt you. Yeah. I am a shepherd. It matters to me what the sheep, what condition the sheep are in.
1: Yeah.
0: If you're running away when God has said advance, it matters to me. It matters to Pastor Matt. We can't pretend like it's OK for you to do what you're doing, yeah. because you will die. Yeah. We will go on and have a long, long career. We will have a long life of doing and taking possession of what he's given me. Yes. If you all fall away, I will continue on because he will help me. Come on, man. But I don't want you to fall away. Yeah. We are family. You're not here because you're on a membership roll. You're my family. It breaks my heart when you're letting whispers get into your ears. It breaks my heart when you are not standing firm. Let nothing move you. Scripture's either true or not. What's moved you lately? Has it been the Holy Spirit or has it been the circumstances? That this is saying, don't let anything move you.
2: Woo.
0: Stand. Yeah. Get ready to do what I've told you to do and go do it. But um, shouldn't I wait until all the circumstances work out? No. You got to go possess it now. Amen. You got to do it now. What are you waiting on? You're waiting on God. How about you make the mistake? If you're going to make a mistake that you go, he said it. Oops, I fell down. I just thought he told me to walk. He told me to go down the steps first. I missed that part. I would rather you fail that way a thousand times in a row. Yeah. Because you know what happens when you fail like that? You don't really fail. No. He picks you up. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor, your increasing and possessing is not in vain. Come on. You're on time 12. Some of you are on time 12 around Jericho. The walls are about to come down. You're about to get to shout and blow the trumpets and you're ready to sit down. Mm. we got to possess this turn to your name and say let's possess
1: this today today. now possess Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 (laughs) saints as we read this I want this to be our testimony collectively as a church This needs to be our testimony. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This church was built and it is sustained because we have this same attitude that we are going to press on. We're not going to let any obstacle, we're not going to let any discouragement stop the work of God from flowing out of this church. Because it's a response. Jesus took hold of me. Jesus took hold of Pastor Wade. Jesus took hold of Andrew Hayes. Come on, For four months, he drove three and a half hours every single weekend. One way to come and be a part of our services because he had to finish his time. In, uh, in the military, I saw in that young man a desire to possess it. I saw within him that hunger and that thirst for righteousness, and this is his testimony, therefore it 's my testimony it 's yours as well. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say i 'm not where I need to be not where I need to be, but i 'm going to get there but i 'm going to get there but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Come on, on, just like the first generation of Israel that was leaving Egypt, they kept it in their rear view mirror. But most eventually grew to the point where they put it right in front, back in front of their face. Egypt, and the love for it, returned right in front of them. And instead of having their eyes fixed on possessing and increasing what God had promised he would give them, The love for Egypt return. But we're not going to do that in this house. We're going to forget what is behind that slavery to sin that once bound you, right? Come on, one thing that's not allowed to be said in this church, one-on-one in counseling or anywhere else, is just saying, well, that's just the way that I am. No, 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 ma'am. That's the way that you were. Let me show you in God's word how you're going to be right now in the name of Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward towards Jesus. We got to exert every effort in our fiber of soul and body and spirit to press on to the very things that God has promised you that
0: you're going to do and be. Hebrews six eleven says this. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. It's not enough for us that a certain select group of people make it. Because we're family. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy. Mm. Let's be honest. The ones in this church that aren't doing as well, it's because you're being lazy. You're being lazy with your faith. You're being lazy with what he told you to do. We want you to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. The entire goal for today is. That idea that it requires hoopamone, a patient endurance that Revelation teaches us about. Revelation 21 also says that those who overcome will inherit all of this. I will be his God and he will be my son. What is at stake is everything. Yeah. It's time for us to possess what God has given us. Turn with us in our last scripture to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll start in verse 5.
1: For this very reason, make every effort. Say every effort with me. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Those are wonderful attributes. If I asked each and every one of you, are you pursuing these things? Should you pursue these things? Your answer would be yes. Yes. But the directive that we find in the next verse is the heartbeat of this message. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. This word ineffective can be translated as inactive, unemployed, Useless or lazy? Come on, if you possess these qualities, the ones that we just listed, adding to your faith one after another and keeping it a constant rotation, not a checklist. Asking, Lord, which one of these, if not all, am I lacking today? Which one of these, by seeking your commands, is going to revive and come alive in me today? And if I possess these in increasing measure, they will keep me from being useless. They will keep me from being lazy. Come on, single men, they will keep you from being unemployed. They will make you a valuable employee. We have a hope, but we also have a directive in front of us. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. If you do not increase and possess the promises and commands of God, you will lose sight of the sanctifying work of the blood of Jesus. I've watched this firsthand happen with more people than I ever wish for. See them possess an increase in the kingdom for years. And usually because of offense or sexual immorality, they fall. They were not increasing in measure with what God told them to possess. They became content and idle, I-D-L-E. That left them prone to not being able to see themselves rightly in the word, not dealing with the condition of their own heart. And it eventually robbed them of the ability to see that they were cleansed from their past sins. We don't want that for you guys. Anybody who's listening to this message, we don't want it for you. So we're being intense and we're being loving because we want you to possess and increase
0: it. Stand to your feet with us. Still in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, it says this. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager, eager to make your calling and election sure. Be all the more eager. There has to be an ongoing thing that we're doing. For if you do these things, you will never fall. See, last couple of weeks ago, we shared scriptures like this. If you do what we're saying, you will never miss out on what God has for you. You will never fall. You don't have to stumble. You don't have to fade away. You can continue to get stronger. We've got young men who are starting to come here. And the people around them are saying, why don't you settle down a little bit? Why don't you calm down? As a matter of fact, they're not just saying that you should calm down. They're saying, yeah, we used to be that excited about the Lord. You're just young. You'll simmer down. You'll be as compromised one day as we are. This should be an ever increasing measure. I am 44 years old. I am more in love with Jesus. I am walking in more holiness. I understand and am growing in the Lord more than I ever have in my life. And you know what my expectation of tomorrow is? I'll do it more tomorrow. I don't have to ask you if this is the right word because I'm your pastor. I'm one of your pastors. I know that this is the right word. I can see not only the pattern of this week... I can see the pattern of this year and know that God keeps saying it to us. It's because He's a good Father to us. And He's going to keep saying it until we get it. What I know is that some of you have entered in to the kingdom. But you haven't yet possessed it. You're alive but you're not increasing the call today is for you to put aside everything else to repent of when you have messed up and counted God as fickle in his promises to you. You think you can not repent of that and just move on like everything's going to be okay. You have to repent of what you've done when you've added to the word, when you have subtracted from the word When you've forgotten the word. When you've decided that you could just be passive. And hopefully one day it come to you. We have friends who've said for 30 years that God has called them to certain things. And the truth is, is their window has long since been closed. You can't miss out on his will and not possess it forever and expect that he just keeps the window open. The opportunity of a lifetime, it said, that you have to take it in the lifetime of that opportunity. Take your opportunity today to stand firm. Where you've had weak knees and trembling hearts, stand firm today. When we pray, the altars are going to be open that you might take full possession. Don't own a house and only know what the foyer looks like. Own it live in it, possess it, enjoy it, grow it, work on it. That's what God is calling us to do today. Mighty God, we love you. We thank you so much that your spirit is so good to us that we need to hear this again and again, that our lives may fall into accordance with your will. Lord, don't let us miss out on possessing what you have for us. Your promises are good. Your word is sure. Your righteousness is is true and can be counted upon. Lord, but it's us that must learn to engage with faithful action. To endure what the enemy has brought before us to keep us. But we are going to dispossess that we might possess and inherit what you have for us, Lord. Move upon our hearts today. Lord, forgive us as a church where we're slow in understanding what you're doing where we come to an altar, but we don't get up and possess what you've given us. Help us, Lord. You are being a good father to us to correct, to rebuke, to teach, and to train us through your word. Lord, we want to possess everything that you have for us. We want to possess the prosperity that you have promised this church. We want to possess and increase what you have given us. May faith arise in this place. May our hope be truly set in you, mighty God. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name.